Welcome to Advance, an NCEES podcast series. I'm your host, Davey McDowell, Chief Operating Officer at NCEES. Christine Gayron, President and Visionary of GDB Geospatial, is today's guest on our podcast. Christine is a professionally licensed land surveyor in the state of New York with over 20 years of experience. She holds a Bachelor of Science degree in geology from the City University of New York, Queens College. She started her career mapping and designing conduit, which eventually led to a focus on land surveying and geospatial services on infrastructure projects. Christine is passionate about entrepreneurship, company culture, growth, business development, and she advocates for licensed land surveyors and engineering professional organizations. She regularly contributes to publications on the subjects of GIS, surveying, and LIDAR, and all things geospatial. Additionally, she was named one of XYHT's 40 Under 40. She lives on Long Island with her husband, three children, and two dogs. She loves traveling, hiking, running, cycling, and competes in triathlons. Christine's going to share her surveying story with us today, including what it's like to be the majority owner of the largest geospatial consulting firm in New York State, and how she's helping to mentor the next generation of surveyors. Thank you, Christine, for joining us. I'm looking forward to our conversation, so let's go ahead and get started. So as we as we start to get going here, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself, not only professionally, but also what you like to do when, uh, when you're not being a surveyor or not working in the geospatial area? Sure. So I lead a very busy life. Uh, work is just one facet of that. When I'm not at work, I spend a lot of time early mornings training for triathlons, swimming, biking, running, hiking, walking my dogs. I have three children, so I drive them around a lot. I just started listening to audiobooks. I know that I'm a little late to the party on that. It's been around for a long time, but I just started doing that and it really showed me how much I drive my kids around because <laughs> I'm getting through so many books. Yeah, and just just, you know, keeping up with the household and the family and family get-togethers. All of that keeps me very busy. So when you're listening to audiobooks, do you have like a genre you like? So far, I'm just doing, you know, business and leadership type books. You know, those, those really help me either get ideas about how to be a good leader and how to be successful. And they're just really encouraging. Some, sometimes it's, they're just like reiterating something that like I knew or putting it in a way like, yeah, like my company does that. Now I see why it works. So as you, as you're talking about, um, you were listening to some of the different audio books that, that talk about business and, and becoming a better leader. Tell us about the professional side. What got you into surveying? Sure. Yeah. So I went to college, um, majored in geology and secondary education. I thought I was going to be an earth science teacher. It, it happened to be my favorite subject. But a month into student teaching, I was like, whoa, this is not for me. <laughs> I, I just didn't feel like I was good at teaching. You know, I wasn't going to do it just for the summers off. So I started looking for other options. And, you know, the thing that got me into geology and that I liked about earth science was the mapping aspect. Um, I can say that I was always drawn to maps. When I was a kid, I would study maps. I wanted to have a map in my head of wherever I was going. So I took one class in GIS, um, which is Geographic Information Systems, when I was in college. And my stepfather actually saw an ad in the paper for a, a civil engineering and land surveying firm looking for entry-level GIS specialists. So I sent my resume there and pretty much begged for a job because they were like, they, they were, their feedback to me was like, we, we really like you, but like, 
you know, you studied geology. We don't really do geology here. And I was like, no, 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 it's the mapping aspect that I want to be a part of. I don't care about the rocks. <laughs> so, um, so I got the job and, and I started out drafting in CAD and doing some field data collection. Verizon had a big capital program at the time and they were putting a lot of conduit in the ground. So we were a consultant designing conduit for Verizon. I was heavily involved in that for the first couple of years of my career. And then that kind of died down and I got more into the land surveying side of things. We had on-call land surveying contracts with the New York State Department of Transportation. And so I was learning how to do high accuracy control. That led to project management, dealing with clients. Um, and we were a small family-owned company. So, you know, when when someone would leave, there was huge opportunity. You know, we were always like eight to 15 people before Garon De Bruin and G GDB Geospatial were born. So, you know, it, it was it was great to be able to wear many hats. Uh, Greg De Bruin was my boss at the time. He eventually became my partner. He was a great mentor. So I worked my way up, learned a lot about land surveying. I wanted to become licensed because in New York State, you have to be a licensed land surveyor to own a land surveying company. And only land surveyors, architects, and professional engineers can partner with each other. So if I ever wanted to be an owner, I had to be licensed. And we were doing a lot of work for other engineering firms that did not have a survey department. And what we were hearing from our clients is, we love you guys, you think you were, we think you're the best at land surveying, but um, we have to give this project to a women or minority owned business because um, you know there's there's participation goals now so so I saw that opportunity that there was a huge demand for um, minority women-owned businesses in my industry so basically seeing opportunity turned into you know executing a plan and Greg De Bruin who is my boss was in his 50s and he was looking for a succession plan and I had ownership aspirations. So when things got slow in 2009, 2009 was when the, the recession kind of hit our business. Things were really slowing down. And, and Greg called me into his office one day and he said, if we don't get this project with the Army Corps of Engineers today, I'm laying off everyone in the company but you. And my response to that was, I'm eight months pregnant, lay me off. because <laughs> so I'm gonna be out anyway at least for some time. And he's like, no, 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 I need you. And uh, we did get the project, so we didn't have to do the layoffs that day, thankfully. But, you know, a month later, I had my third child. Things got slow, and Greg did have to lay off some people. So during that time, I said to Greg, I said, I said lay me off. You know, let me collect unemployment. I'll take care of my babies. I'll study for the tests, because I was already accepted to sit for the Lance Ring test. It's three tests you have to take in New York. And I said, I'll, I'll pass the test and we'll have a new company set up by the end of the year. We'll be a women-owned business and, and it's just going to open up so many doors. And he said, all right, let's do it. And and we did it. I, I took all three tests a few months later. I passed them all. Uh, that was 2010. And by the end of the year, we had a new company set up. Um, at the time, we were nine people doing under a million dollars worth of survey work, and now we are 65 people doing about $12 million worth of survey work a year. So tell me a little bit about where the company is located and where you do most of your work. You're in New York, correct? Yeah, so we are headquartered in New York on Long Island, 
that was the only office for a very long time. And then in, in 2017, we opened a branch office in the Rochester area in a small town called Honeyoy Falls, which is about 20 miles outside of Rochester. So we're a New York firm now covering the whole state, um, but we do have plans to expand to other states within the next couple of years. Tell me a little bit about surveying in New York City. That seems like that would be an extremely difficult thing to do with people everywhere, cars, large buildings everywhere. Is that, is that like just a incredible challenge to do surveying work in the, in the city like that? Yeah, it really is. New York City is its own animal when it comes to surveying. Um, we call it the canyons of New York City. And, and I'll use the example of, you know, looking at technology such as mobile LIDAR, where they show you how great it is at capturing a 3D scan of an area, but they're on a country road with, with a great open sky view of the satellites. And in New York City, we refer to it as the canyons of New York City. So, you know, you don't get a good GPS signal. So you've got to set a lot more control. Um, yes, we've got traffic to deal with. We've got pedestrians to deal with. Sometimes we do night work. We go out and, and um, set control, collect topographic data, LIDAR scanning, and we'll do it late at night because that's when there's significantly less traffic out there. And then the other huge challenge in New York City is the utilities. I mean, there's it's just, you know, basically spaghetti under the ground. And most of our projects, we're mapping not just the topographic surface features, but we're also getting the underground utilities. So it's there are a lot of challenges there. And then we've also got traffic to deal with. It's like, even though the city's only 30 miles away, it's typically an hour, hour and a half to go one way. I mean, we'll plan the day so that the crews can get there before rush hour traffic. So definitely challenging, but what's really cool about working in New York City is that there's there's so much work to be done. I mean, the infrastructure of New York City was built over 100 years ago, and it wasn't built for the population that has occupied it. So, you know, it's got all of the infrastructure needs to be renovated. So there's just a lot to do. During the COVID shutdown, all of our New York City work was put on hold, and that was about... 50% of our work at the time. And it was scary because, you know, as a company, it's it's scary to see the bulk of your projects get halted with no idea when they're going to start up again. But, you know, my confidence was there because I'm like, you know what, the need for our work did not go away. The funding is a problem. But as soon as they figure out the funding part, they've got to have us back out there. And that's what happened. We're already back out there working in the city. So um, we have some really dedicated guys and uh, they were out there all through COVID when no one else was leaving their houses and they were in New York City. That sounds really interesting. So, so in your time, is there any project or couple of projects that you've worked on that when you look back on it or, you know, maybe, I don't know, a few years from now, you can tell your kids or tell some colleagues, this was just something really cool that I did. Yeah, the, um, the work we've done at the United States Tennis Association, the, the tennis center in Queens is really cool. It's in New York City, but they're just always improving the tennis center. Uh, they ramp up every summer for the U.S. Open. That's going to happen at the end of August into September. And we do a lot of laser scanning for them so that they can make improvements to the stadiums, the parking lots, the restaurants. 
And then you just see it go from like a ghost town 11 months out of the year and they make it look like Disneyland. And it's, and I've gone to the, the U S open and it's just a really cool place to be. And to know that like we've done some work there to, to help it get built is really exciting. Um, another cool one is that when they put the challenger shuttle on the USS intrepid in New York city, they, we were the ones to stake out the spot on the ship where, where the wheels of the, of the space shuttle were going to go. So that's another cool one. We, we staked out where the wheels were going to go. They barged the challenger over to the USS intrepid. They put it on there in the spot we told them to put it, and then they built a hangar around it. So those projects are actually kind of small projects in the grand scheme of the big stuff we've done, but they're, like you said, exciting and, and stuff you can talk about to people and they can relate to it because they know those facilities. Yeah, that sounds really, as a business owner, you kind of talked early on about your path to becoming a, a licensed surveyor in New York and taking the exams. Um, and you, and you kind of hit on a few things as, as to how the company that you are today kind of came about. But tell us a little bit more about GDB Geospatial. Sure. Yeah, we like I said, we've grown from nine people to 65 people. So there was a lot to learn about running a company and first running a small company and then running a medium company. We just had such a strong team and, and everybody was, was into doing what needed to be done, whatever needed to be done. But there did come a time where, you know, going from small to medium, there there's some inefficiencies that happen. We also had goals that we set when Greg and I first set up the company with, with me as an owner. We had um, basically five to eight year goals of, of how much, where we were going to get the work from and how much work there would be. And, and, and we got there. So, and, and we did experience growing pains like that, but I have to say that we've had such an awesome staff of people that they, they really did what needed to be done. We worked together and, you know, figured out how to deliver and, and I think our reputation is, is really good because of that. So I started looking for a strategic planning consultant because I had worked with one with the New York State Association of Licensed Land Surveyors. And I, I saw the value in actually sitting down, making a strategy and, and action items coming out of it. And what I found was a whole system for running the business called EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System. By then we had taken on another partner, Jason Graff, and he's my current partner because Greg DeBruin retired in 2020. Congratulations to Greg. And we implemented EOS over the past two years, and it has been life-changing for all of us because that was another thing. It was like if you can get your business running smoothly and efficiently, that helps your whole life. So the EOS system has been great at helping me do what I need to do to, to lead the company I'm the company visionary, and that means my job is is thinking about strategy and company culture and um, managing external relationships and working on big projects and generating new ideas. And then, and then right below me, uh, my partner Jason is what you call an integrator, and he listens to all my ideas and tells he's kind of the the realist. Where like, well, we can look into doing these, but maybe we can't do those. And you know, he's got a pulse on on the departments underneath him. So. That's how our company has grown, just by being efficient and following a system and hiring the right people for the right seats. 
So you've talked a lot about the company, but I want to back up just a little bit because your story and, and you going into surveying, tell me about that. How, how is it being a female working in, in that kind of environment? And what do you do to try and encourage other young women uh, to become involved or take uh, surveying on as a profession? Yeah, I get asked this a lot because, like you said, there's there are not many women in land surveying. There's there's certainly more women in architecture and engineering, which is also still a small percentage compared to the men. And I I just always saw opportunity in this field, and I loved being outside. I love the mix of out you know being outside to collect data and then coming inside to to make maps out of it. I just always thought it was such a cool profession. I've been very accepted. I've never felt like I'm a woman in a man's industry. They don't want me. I've got to fight for my spot. Everybody's been really accepting. I think that in the 21 years I've been in this industry, everyone's been thinking we need more women. So I was very encouraged to to get licensed and become an owner. You know, there, there was one time where I was told, well, you got lucky. You know, you, you got lucky that, that uh, Greg let you become his partner so you could become a women-owned business and you know and, and my response to that was like well no it wasn't luck at all you know it was I got a college education I started at the bottom I worked my way up I took three really hard tests and got a lot of experience and and now my job is to is to employ others and provide a service and was there some luck involved sure there always is but I, I look at it more as opportunity so that would be my advice to to other women and other young people you know, if you think this is interesting, then there's a place for you because we need people. We need land surveyors. We need, if you don't want to be a licensed land surveyor, there's just so many other positions in the geospatial field. And it's a, it's a great career. No project is like another project. You'll never be bored. From your opinion, what do you see surveying in the future? I, I see it continuing to evolve technologically, but it's what's really cool about land surveying is that you cannot ignore the history because what you're doing when you perform a boundary survey is you're finding the history of that piece of land and tracing it back. I would love to see that history start to be captured in a digital format like GIS. With that system, we would want to keep the historical records available and easily findable because they're really the key to what happened with a piece of land. So I was lucky enough to be asked to go to Switzerland as a delegate for United States land surveyors because Switzerland already has a system like this. You can just go on a website and see where your property lines are pretty much anywhere in the country. They've got about 80% of the country surveyed and, and in GIS. So anybody can go on a website, see where their property lines are, see where the closest monuments are. Uh, they monument every property. So there's there's physical marks saying where your property line is. And um, they were able to do it because the federal government decided 120 years ago that this would be good for the country. And we're going to we're going to make it a requirement and we're going to push it down to the, the cantons, which are like states, and they're going to push it down to their local government. So it's. A lot, you can't just take their system and put it in the United States because Switzerland is like the size of Connecticut, right? So, you know, how do you how do you take a system for something that small and apply it to all of the United States? But if we push it in the land surveying community with the next generation, then I think it could gain some traction. Any other kind of things that you see from surveying 
moving on into the future and kind of a, in somewhat closing, any other advice you would have for either someone thinking about the surveying field or someone that's in surveying and wants to become a business owner? Yeah. So, so I'm hearing two questions. First, what else do I see technologically? Yeah, it's, it's just, everything's going digital and, and everything's going 3d, you know, surveying was historically a, a 2d world. Now 3d is becoming the norm. So you've got to get your, your 3d brain (laughs) in order. And I think that people who have an affinity for what we do will, will definitely appreciate that. And as far as, you know, what should you do if you're considering this? I mean, definitely pursue it. There's such a demand for land surveyors and support staff for land surveyors that, you know, there, there's tons of opportunity. So, you know, find a, a college program or find a local land surveyor. There are, I, I bet everywhere in the country has regional land surveying associations, and they would love to hear from anybody considering it as a career and, and guide them. Another thing I like to tell people is ready, fire, aim. If, you know, if, you, if you're not sure what to do, but you're pretty sure you want to do something, I like to say ready, fire, aim, you know, just, just do it and then, and then adjust as you go. There's, there's enough opportunity out there that, you know, you, you won't get lost and you probably won't quit. You'll just find more stuff to do. Something that I just started saying in the last year, because I heard a couple of my employees say, I love Mondays. I love, I love going to work on Monday. Like, yeah, that's become a a new mantra of mine. Figure out how to love Mondays because if, if you enjoy what you do and who you do it with, then, you know, like they say, you'll never work a day in your life, but you'll make money. So I think that everybody can, can seize opportunities and, and, you know, you look for, for me, loving Mondays has a lot to do with company culture. I love what we do technologically, but I also love being able to run a business. I love the people that we, we talk to. It's, they're, they're like a team. We're, we're like a team here, you know, and, and we're a team that's trying to, trying to win and do well. So anything that you want to talk about from a surveying perspective that you would like to share with the audience? Um, no, I feel like I've covered everything. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to tell my story and I, and I would love to hear others. So, but yeah, to anybody considering becoming a licensed land surveyor, you know, do do a little bit of research and I think you'll be happy with what you find. It's a very cool profession with tons of opportunity and I think you'll figure out how to love Mondays. Thank you, Christine, for joining us today. Your surveying story is remarkable and we appreciate you taking the time to share your journey with us. And for all of our listeners out there, thank you for joining us today. Please take a minute to leave us a review. This simple action can help others like yourself find and share this podcast. Have a great day and we'll see you next time on Advance, an NCES podcast series.